chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Uh, we're going to take a detour at some point through this because this is, I think, a very pertinent book for us right now today in history, in our culture, uh, because as we've introduced this so far, James is writing to the Jews that have moved north out of Jerusalem. They've gone into the different lands, and I think we're going to be able to see today, and I'll show you. You don't have to agree with the things I teach, of course. You've got to agree with the Scriptures, but the way I explain it, you don't have to agree with it, but it appears very clearly these are Jews that have become believers in Jesus Christ, and it's early on uh, between it's right around 45 A.D. would be when this would be written is what we've come up with. Uh, that means between 30 and 45 A.D. there's been 15 years. This is the first 15 years of church history. And so it's, it's one of the earlier books. So there's some things that, that you don't see in this book that you see later on in Paul's writings, different terminology. You see things, but it doesn't have the theological buildup as it would uh, 25 or 30 or 40 years after this. So there's no, uh, and we went through the theology, the theology solid, it just is it's an early book, which means these Jews are being, in a sense, persecuted, ostracized by their culture, uh, because, uh, but they haven't left the synagogue. They're still, they, they're not like, well, we're going to go to the church. There's no church next door. Uh, you can see this taking place in Corinth, 57, 55, 55 A.D., when the synagogue leader believed Paul and many people in the synagogue of Corinth of the Jews believed, they went next door and started a church in the synagogue leader's house. So the synagogue is here, and on the other side of the street or right next to it is the synagogue leader's house, and the synagogue meets here, and next door the synagogue leader left the synagogue, started a church or a synagogue in his house, which was the church or Gentiles started joining them. So this, this is 45, that would be 55 A.D., before that takes place in Corinth, if that's making sense. So it kind of gives you a date. So when we start talking about who this is written to, they're Jews that, in a sense, haven't really left the synagogue. They've just been, in our terms, canceled. You know, they've been canceled. Their inheritance, their jobs, their careers, their Facebook, Twitter pages, canceled, and they become the poor. Uh, they're, they're outside. Just, and again, that's why this is pertinent for our culture. Because no matter how we slice or dice this, and you've got your own opinions on different things, and you should, uh, but as I'm looking at this, we're right on track for the collapse of our society, not just in the sense of you know, an invasion, but of just a, a transition into something else. And the middle class, uh, those that are going to hold to Christ, uh, they're going to, those that are in the middle class or not, believers, I mean, they're believers or not, that middle class is going to be driven by tyranny, by, by oppression into poverty. And, and right here, now they become known as, in the, in the book of James, you've got the righteous poor and the wicked wealthy. Not meaning that all the poor are righteous or all the wealthy are wicked. It's just to maintain your wealth in society, you've got to play the game. And if you say, no, I believe Jesus is the Messiah in a Jewish culture that says Jesus is not the Messiah, well, if you're a Sadducee, or if you're a, a priest, or if you're in the markets aligned with the priestly system, well, you can't play anymore. You've all of a sudden are out of the game. And so you become poor because of your righteousness. That doesn't mean poor makes you righteous. It means your righteousness made you poor. Uh, again, and that's not an absolute statement every time you see a poor person or a rich person. But that's kind of what we're dealing with right here. So with that introduction, uh, I want to read... I guess that's important because, one, that's where we're at in a society, but that's also the lens of what I'm going to be how I'm going to be reading this book. Sometimes people read it, so they just take like bumper stickers out of James. Here's a cool verse. Here's a nice verse here. And they start making application, which is good, but it's nice to have, well, what, what is James actually? He's not talking about, you know, some, you know, situation you're in. He's talking about what they're in. Uh, and so keep that in mind. Here we go. J James chapter 1. I'll read, I'll say the first uh, 18 verses. And we're actually looking at the first four verses, which we'll do again next week. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Now notice right here, there's no prayer or blessing a lot of times they you know he'll the, the writers of a greek letter will greet the people and say a prayer for him or something like this 
he gets right into boom because it's it, it seems to be this is like the reason this letter is being written there's something important going on he they may have been part of his church and have fled because of the persecution which would be in in 45 AD that would include uh, people that had already fled because of Paul before he was converted. So Paul would be part of the reason these people have left, along with other reasons. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, okay, so right here, what we see right here is a system trials they're good because it's going to produce endurance hupomone it's going to be the ability to stand when everything else is falling around you're going to be able to stand endurance uh trials are going to produce or force you to tap into that gift of the holy spirit uh, the uh the fruit of the holy spirit of endurance and when that is done you're going to be uh complete you're going to be perfect is another word. It's, it's telios perfect uh and that's going to be able to break off into two directions. It's going to be a temporal perfection or a temporal completeness, which is maturity. Because we know we're never going to be complete on this side of history, but you can continue to mature. So these trials, and this is crazy stuff. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Joy. This is good news. And that's, I mean, that's where we've got to be. In 2023, ah, here's a New Year's message, okay. In 2023, because <laughs> Tony and I have just, we've talked about it, we've talked about it here at different times. It's like, what's our hope? What's our hope? We got, it's all about hope in Jesus. It's hope, everything's going to work out. Okay, yes, what do you mean everything's going to work out? Because it didn't always work out for the disciples or the apostles or Jesus. I mean, every one of them died under some kind of oppression. It worked out in the long run. But you may not see the long run come to completion in your life. And so you may live and die, in a sense, defeated. It's like, well, what, what, well that we're looking beyond this. Uh, if you're looking for answers, and for me, I'm looking, uh, you know, again, I don't know everything. You know, I just see bits and pieces. I don't even read the news articles. I look at the headlines, you know. So, I mean, you know, like, well, what does Galen think? It's like, well, all he's done is read the headlines on a conservative website. So it's like, the details, I, I don't know all the details. But it appears uh, you don't really have a political party anymore. It's like, well, we're not Democrats, we're conservatives, Republicans. Well, it looks like that's gone. And it looks like you're kind of out without any representation, maybe a few stragglers that are like getting bullied. But it's like, it looks like tyranny has taken over and you are very close to being shoved into just a, a, a working slave class that's going to support the elite, the elites, whoever they are, if it's a hidden government, if it's uh, uh, the, the Clintons or the Bushes or the Pelosi's, uh, you know, whatever, we don't even know their names, that are controlling this, we're just being set up to become a working class to support. And nonetheless, again, that's my interpretation. doesn't mean that's correct. But nonetheless, we are in a position where we're going to face trials, and it says, consider this joy. And th these guys are in a similar position. Because this is going to force you endurance. Meaning you're not going to be able to vote your way out of this. You're not going to be able to work your way out of this. You're going to have to learn how to stand. You're going to have to learn how to embrace Christ, embrace his reality, and let his, the trials you are facing, produce in you a character that's not going to win the next election, necessarily, although we want to stay politically active. But it's going to produce in you a type of completeness or maturity that is beyond this age. It's like, you're not going to get rich, you're not going to solve all your finances, you're not going to solve all these personal issues, you're not going to fix the world, but you can grow in Christ and become more mature, which will then continue until the glorification where you will be perfect in Christ, a child of God, uh, living with Christ forever. And this will be a distant memory, but it's just like, for example, when you win the big game, you win the championship, you don't dwell on, oh boy, practice was really hard this last season. It's like, that's gone. You're just looking at the trophy. You're just enjoying the celebration. You're just number one. You're in the victory. And so that is what this is talking about. And it's, it's, it's a very mature way of looking at things. And it, because it can't just become 
passive. It can't just become nonchalant, like, well, it's all going to work out in the end. Because you're going to go through life and you're going to be completely confused and you're going to see these people. Paul's going to, uh, I'm going to say that many times. This is James writing, but I will say Paul because I just will s- slip up. They're talking about they're, the, these people having problems with anger or having tr- trouble wanting to, to come back and, 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 and be violent. You know, it talks about murder. Because in this case right here, any time you face some kind of oppression, you're going to want to you know, talk your way out of it. You're going to want to, you know, say bad things. You're going to want to fight back. You're going to want to kill the oppressor. Now, again, not saying that we're not, I'm not a pacifist. I mean, there's a place to rise up in arms. There's a place to go to court and argue your case. Uh, but there's also a place where uh, you, you can't just go out and start killing people. You can't just start, you know, having riots and burning down buildings. You can't just all this time be on Facebook and, and social media saying rude things to everybody. At some point, you're just going to have to, and not just endure it, you're going to have, we're not being patches, well, we just take it. You're not going to fight back, so where's that middle ground? The middle ground is this, you're looking at a bigger kingdom. You're not looking at winning the battle here in America, you're looking at winning the battle of eternity. Christ has already won it, he's in the process of bringing it to pass, and you're already on track, the right place, the right faith, you've got the right information, you just need to understand it and start applying it again that doesn't cancel out you know never defending yourself or never fighting physically but it's here uh those are options that kind of need to be considered but this needs to be considered first are you aiming towards maturity and ultimately perfection in christ and you're going to need endurance and when do you need endurance when there's a trial and it's like he's like well thank god you're this is great news. I hear you're having a lot of problems. You've been kicked out of society. You're oppressed. It's like, yes. And the word we're going to talk about, the word is consider. Now, this is huge. There's so many things in here that are anti-Christian, you know, Christianese. It goes right here. This is not passive. This is you're looking not to the right or to the left. You're looking at a kingdom that's beyond, and you're aggressively pursuing this maturity. You're, you're actively growing. You're standing when everyone else falls. You're still standing. Why are you still standing? Because I'm fighting a battle that you've disengaged with. You've already gone over and started blasting people on social media, or or you're over here joining some kind of political active group. I'm growing in Christ. So that's that's that. But also consider, consider it joy. Boy, I'm already into the notes. And I'm reading through the first 18 verses. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But consider it joy is... It, this does not mean this does not mean this this is consider joy consider this a great opportunity you be glad you're in this position now you may be sad you may be depressed you may be confused that's why i was going to say hey if you lack wisdom you got to ask because you may be confused you you may be like i don't know what's going on i i'm <laughs> nothing's working out okay good so the short verse, you know, the short method, you go to the typical church on the corner, put on a happy face, let's sing a happy song, let's get the music going, get the smoke machine rolling, and everything's good. It's like, no, everything's not good. The whole world is collapsing. We're heading towards the Antichrist, and before the Antichrist comes, we're going to have to go through the decline of America, potentially. I don't know the details of the future, but it's not good news. It's sad. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Okay, consider this with joy this is a great opportunity consider as we're going to see it means to figure and you've heard this taught before probably it means to to analyze to figure to do the math if this is the case you're facing trials the trials are going to force you to grow in christ and mature and endure and begin to stand with a spiritual strength that the world doesn't have it's going to lead you to christian maturity in this age and perfection in the age to come my gosh, this is good news. Now, I'm still sad, I'm still confused, but it's like, okay, let's get this process started. All right, I'm, I'm ready for the process. And you consider it, Joy, you're, still, you're not smiling. You understand how this gets so weak and worthless. Stop going to church if it's just a matter about, well, you know, we're just here to encourage each other. It's all going to be okay. What do you mean it's all going to be okay? Well, we're Christians. It's all going to be okay. 
okay, yeah, in the big picture, but you've got to go from point A to point Z. And yes, Jesus is coming back. You're saved. You're going to be in eternity. But you've still got to live through time. And you're supposed to be living with hupomone through all these trials and growing in Christ and understanding what's taking place. Because he's going to say in verse, what is it, 5, if you lack wisdom, if you don't understand this, well, ask. He, he wants you to understand this. And that's really, I mean, seriously, that's uh, my problem. I mean, I, I feel this as far as I'm teaching it to you right now, but when Monday comes and Tuesday comes and these, you see these things, it's kind of like it gets foggy. It gets kind of like it's one thing to stand up here and isolate myself in a little box and say, here's the way it's working. But then you get out of the box, you go back out in the world, and it's swirling around you, and it's, uh, then you even want, it's like, is this even true? I mean, I, do you know, uh, is there really a God? I mean, I'm a, uh, and that's coming up later on. Ah, he who's double-minded, don't think you're going to get anything. You're going to have to understand this and get out there and start applying it in your life. Because if you look at this, I understand, like a man looking at his face in the mirror, it's coming, and turn around, go back out in the world, it's like, wow, I don't, because this takes a little bit of what we'd say revelation or spiritual insight, because we get out in the world, boom, the bright lights of the world are hitting you, and it's like, I, I'm confused. Well, it's like, now you're going to start acting like the world. And you, that's why it's important to keep coming back and looking at this. Okay. That's all coming up. Consider it pure joy, verse 2, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, which would be me in this very situation trying to apply this, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, you stupid kid, why don't you understand this? It's like, well, because he understands this is not worldly information. This is not, you're not going to be able to vote your way out of this or finance your way out of this. You're going to have to go to God and, and lose everything but still have endurance with hope. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not, not doubt on Monday and Tuesday, in my case. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Right now it makes sense, but as soon as I go, read the news or read some even conservative media listen to some you know sean hannity or tucker carlson which you know i tend to agree with you listen to it, it's like oh no this is where it's like well now you're getting now you're unstable again you're hoping maybe we can figure our way out of this no you're not going to figure your way out of this the world is falling apart now that's that's a very end time statement in the sense it's like well it could be okay maybe the next season maybe the next you know, quarter any economics will be fine. But the world is, Paul says, already passing away. It ends with chaos. The Old Testament talked about it. The New Testament talks about it. Jesus talks about it. It's going to be terrible times. I mean, we're heading there sometime. So, I mean, we're, that's like we talked about. Evolution teaches we started at the bottom, and we're getting better and better and better. But the world we see is going this way. Isn't that funny? The evolutionists are teaching this where they're worried about extinction, global warming, everybody dying, going this way. It's like, wait, that's my model. <laughs> it's like, you're worried about my model. It's like, that's, that, it's like, you say this is happening, you teach this, but then you start preaching like this. It's like, we're preaching the same thing. Why don't we get on the same page? But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. And in the context, receive anything, talking about wisdom you're going to have to hold firm you're going to have to endure and continue to understand this he is double-minded man and unstable in all he does the brother in humble circumstances again that's in, in context here that's the, the poor righteous that they've gone on they've been canceled the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position because you're in a humble position you're oppressed you're going through a trial but look where you're heading. Take pride in your high position. High position? Well, yeah, if you understand this, you are like a son of God being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, re heading towards perfection. It's like, lucky you. But the one who is rich, 
who has not been canceled, who's compromised with the world, aha, I'm rich, should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a, like a wildflower. And he's already, it's like, you've got everything? Yeah, but understand, this whole thing's passing away. You should humble yourself because you're on top of the stack, but you're going the opposite direction. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. That's the fate of the rich who are oppressing these people. The sun's going to rise, the heat's going to crush you, destroy you, wither you, and you're going to pass away. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres, back to this, Blessed is the man who perseveres, hupomone, under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. So that's where you can get those two ideas. One, we're looking for maturity. But when you have stood the test in your life, you'll receive the crown of life. You're not going to receive the crown of life in life. You're going to receive that eschatologically. So again, there's two phases, the mature in time and the crown of life ultimately. That God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, now this is important, we'll get into this later, because right here it's like, so God is not good? And he'll say, well, when, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. In other words, where does all this evil come from? Where do all these trials come from? Well, first of all, it's not God. There's two answers to this. One, the fallen world is collapsing. It's oppressive. And two, you're not out of the woods for free. You have a sin nature. So your two problems in this chapter right here are the world is coming after you. It's, it's evil. You have a sin nature. So when you see a problem, it's like, whoa, why is God doing this? You don't need God causing this. You've got the world and you've got yourself. There's your source of your problem. God is not even tempted by it. He doesn't even, under, we could, I, I explained it this way before. We're not even in those verses yet. But God doesn't even understand evil in the sense that it's like he's not tempted by it because it's like uh, uh okay an example uh i've ne- jesus was tempted during the days of uh fasting those 40 days to turn b- stones into bread because that was something he could understand it was something he could have done he was hungry as a man he's god he can turn those stones into bread problem solved so that was a temptation that he could understand it is not a temptation that I've ever, I've never been hungry uh, working in the yard and see a, you know, some rocks and think, you know, I might just, I'm almost tempted to turn those into pizza. It's like, it's, it's, now I've had temptations, but never to turn stones or any inanimate object into food. Now in reverse, there's things that we are tempted by because we are evil. The God is like, no, nah, I don't never thought of that i've never been tempted to do think that because does that make sense to you at all again that i feel like as i'm saying that i may be right on the verge of blasphemy or heresy at some level because you start talking as much as i do eventually you're going to say something it's like whoa bring that back into orthodox so help me if i'm wrong when tempted no one should say god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone He's not the one doing it. It's the world and it's your sin nature. Uh, the three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Your own evil desire finds connection with the evil in the world and your drug, your evil nature is drug into the evil world and there you are. God had nothing to do with it. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, which is a great verse. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, right there in those verses right there, uh, that is your John 3.16 of the book of James. It's like you are in this evil state, being tempted by the evil world, but God has given you a chance through his word to be born again. And you've been born. It's, it's, I would say it's the same thing of being born again in John 3, 16. It's the word 
He gave us birth through his word that we might be a kind of first fruit fruits. And that's what this is all about right here. In this fallen world, we're growing, maturing as the world declines. We're becoming, we're growing, producing fruit towards completeness in Christ. And ultimately going to be, we're, we're, we're growing. We're, we're actually partaking of the age to come in this growth process because we've been born of the word. So again, the world's going this way, but here we are going, again, using the same hand motions but a different illustration all right with that being said let's look at the notes real quickly and just pull out a few things here um james chapter 1 verse 1 that i was reading the niv now these notes are in the english standard version uh the letter is basically broken down just like a greek letter uh the sender james a servant of god and of the lord jesus christ the recipients to the 12 tribes in the dispersion and the greeting, greetings. Uh, point one, Roman style letter. Uh, there's goes right into the body of the letter. Point three, James is Jacobus in the Greek, which becomes Jacob in the English. But because in the the Greek went into Latin, Jacobus becomes Jacobus, which then becomes James in the English. So Jacobus right here becomes both Jacob and James in the English language. Uh, James because it went through Latin to get to English slave uh, he's a slave better translated uh, as uh, uh, yeah slave would be a better translation than servant servants not bad Uh, it's a doulos means a doulos had a master and he served unconditionally to the master point c the will of the master was the will of the doulos interestingly Jude James brother in his letter also calls himself servant or slave, doulos, with no other title. Like, others will call themselves a servant or a slave, but Paul would also call himself an apostle, as, as you know. They'd refer to themselves as different titles. But James and Jude stick simply with doulos. Um, and I've got that written there. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and brother. Oh, that's interesting. The book of Jude begins... Uh, Jude, a servant of, or doulos, of Jesus Christ, and brother, Adelphos, of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So it's interesting that Jude ties himself in some identification with with James. Uh, Again, that's going to be a huge point of what James, who this James is. He uses no identification. He's just James which really kind of leaves it hanging there that it's only one possibility. It's the great leader of Jerusalem, Jesus' brother, James. Um, point five, it says, of God and of Jesus Christ. And I, I know I've often thought this when I read this. James is not mentioning two of the three members of the Trinity. Uh, of God and of Jesus Christ, like he's saying, the, uh, of serving the Father and the Son. Uh, but that, that's not right. In the Greek, it would appear to be this way. These two titles identify God as Jesus Christ because it says... The masters of the slave doulos is identified by two titles, God and Lord. So he is the servant of God, the Lord, who is Jesus the man. And again, that's probably the correct way of reading that is he's, it's a very, again, amazingly, in four, if this is 45 AD, that's a, a, a speculation on when this was written, uh, you've already got Jesus' brother James calling Jesus God and Lord jesus christ it was so a lot of times in church history or in the skeptical world uh the church developed the theology that jesus was god but i think you got clearly in the scriptures you know jesus referring himself as god saying you know i am and then now you got 45 a.d his brother of all people saying he's god so this is not a reference i don't think to the father and the son the two members of the trinity although there are the father and the son it's talking about Jesus Christ, who, or Jesus, who is, the, is God and is Lord the Christ. Again, that's some information there. Uh, the master of the doulos is identified as Jesus, who is, point D here, God, Lord, and Christ, which means the anointed one, which is the Greek word for the Hebrew word that we translate Messiah. Uh, the author is simply James without a title. Uh, there's no other title uh, because everyone would have known him. We've gone through that, I think, several times. Uh, <coughs> Point seven is new information uh, for us to talk about. Twelve tribes. The question here is to which group is James addressing? Now again, when you just say twelve tribes and you're writing in the New Testament, there's room for a metaphor. 
12 tribes would refer to because especially in you know reform theology the church replaces israel so now the 12 tribes of israel are no longer and so the 12 tribes must be the christians uh, that's logical if you're going to go down that road i don't think it's right um i think right here it, the option would be ethical ethnic jews scattered in foreign lands uh this would be typical i, I can't remember how much i've got written down here but the 12 tribes obviously refers to the 12 jews the 12 tribes of the jews uh they would be believing ethnic jews because the letter is written to people who believe in christ it's not written to all jews some say well he's just writing to jews in general but in, in the beginning of the letter he's writing to those who believe in jesus christ so these would be the 12 tribes would be jews but jews who have also now accepted jesus christ uh point c any this could refer to any believers in christ using it as a metaphor to refer to anyone either jew or greek uh that could so that would mean this could be i don't agree with this point c christians or believers scattered among the nations i don't think that's what it's referring to here christians or believers scattered anywhere in the world waiting to be taken to their home in heaven so in other words uh the fact that we are here in the in in the world we are scattered believers waiting to be taken to heaven that's not the context these are i think there's mediterranean sea there's jerusalem dead sea galilee syria well let's get this up a little higher yeah like that makes a difference uh phoenicia right here uh these are jews that were scattered most likely to the north because of persecution and that's fi fi matches the church of antioch paul being up in here and barnabas being up in here galatia churches up in here these are the jews that have gone up in this area so they've been they're jews who believe and they've been scattered um now the word scattered and that's coming up next uh what have i got written here uh on the other page this is unlikely since there is a literal dispersion of the jews there should be some literal clues that the term is now being used as a metaphor like if this is referring to christians of all time or christians in the world it it's there's no clue in this book that it's a metaphor where we go into the just the literary world the the exegetical world uh the 12 tribes jesus referred to the 12 tribes the old testament refers to the 12 tribes the jews talking to each other would refer to themselves as the 12 tribes and there were still jews living in babylon or from the babylonian captivity there are jews that were persecuted fled different places they had been dispersed the jews of the dispersion so these were these are all terms technical terms or references uh the dispersion the 12 tribes that referred to jews that were living in other lands now joining them fleeing possibly joining the jewish communities uh were jews from jerusalem finding again the same opposition when they got there uh because the synagogues would either be accepting christ and dividing or rejecting them uh point four the dispersion used by james referred to jews living in other lands is typical of jews referring to themselves that's point one point two this is both an ethnic and geographic language the people being the jews the location being outside the promised land which again means the letter must be written from jerusalem because no one in the dispersion is going to say to the dispersion he's writing to those that are dispersed he's writing from jerusalem which matches james the dispersed people are clearly identified as the 12 tribes which is what israel and the jews would, would call themselves james never picks this up a metaphor again or builds on it he just calls them the 12 tribes scattered and goes on starts addressing them uh, point five as i said right here jesus refers to the 12 tribes in reference to the jewish people himself and spoke of them in the present tense like they are the 12 tribes but also in the future tense they will be the 12 tribes this example is seen in James in Acts 15. We go back and read the discussion in James, uh, Acts chapter 15, when James writes a letter to these very people in 48 AD. In James chapter 15, after the Jerusalem Council, when Paul and Barnabas came down and says, hey, what about this circumcision? We're, not, we're just teaching faith in Christ. And so James said, the whole, you can see that the whole council's meeting and talking, sharing the Pharisees talk, other people talk, Peter talks, and then James in chapter 15 sums up the meeting and writes the letter and in there he also addresses these 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 the scattered and saying we've got to go it appears and he quotes a scripture 
the scripture, uh, Amos 9, verse 11, 12, that we're going to need to go to the Gentiles with this message before Israel can be restored and David's fallen tent rebuilt. So he says, in other words, right there, he calls going to the Gentiles a phase that must take place before Israel can return and David's house can be rebuilt. In other words, he says, he doesn't call it this. He doesn't call it the church age, but he's saying the church age, we've got to go to the Gentiles. And when, when the church age is over, he doesn't say church age, but it's what he's referring to, then Amos can be fulfilled. <laughs> and so, uh, again, these are the, it'd be the same. This is where Paul and Barnabas came from. This is where they returned with the letter. And this is where James writes his letter in 48 AD in Acts back up to these people so i mean we it's really easy to build that case not that it's right but it sure seems that's who he's writing to um <clears throat> before the church had actually uh, uh both separated from synagogue and expanded to the gentiles believers were located among the jews and met as synagogue assemblies of some sort okay point eight the dispersion dysphoria dysphoria is the greek word literally means the scattering abroad of seed by a sower so the the jews were called the dispersion they were seeds that had been sown from the assyrians in 722 and then the babylonians 586 uh also the solution had caused some problems for them 167 160 Dispora means a dispersion and is used generally to refer to israelites in gentile countries it's a, it's a technical term the dispersion the, those of the dispersion thus the dispersion became a technical term used especially of the jews who had migrated and were scattered over the ancient world not everyone came back from babylon captivity in fact jadua on tuesday nights we're talking about jadua the high priest who met with alexander when alexander marched into jerusalem uh, one of the things he requested was that as Alexander continued to conquer the Persian territory, which they knew he was going to because Daniel said he was, they says, we just ask that you allow our people to continue to follow the law, the Mosaic law. Our, let them continue the traditions. You've got our full support. We just ask, just let us con continue to follow. All the lands you conquer, let the Jews be Jews. And Alexander was fine with that. Later on, around 167, the Seleucids, one of his generals who became the Seleucid tribe, a nation right here in Syria, changed that and started that caused the maccabean revolt to forcing them to become hellenized uh point c in this you see james could be referring to the jews who had believed in christ but had fled persecution in jerusalem greetings uh the word karen was a customary greeting based on the cognate cognate used for the word grace we're going to see this come up very quickly because joy is also a cognate of that same word so greetings and joy come from the same root word which is and there, i've got a list here somewhere in the notes of how many cognates james is going to use and sometimes they're side by side he's going to use two words that come from the same root word but they're talking about two things and we'll see that throughout this letter uh, this was a normal greeting you see the same word when he begins his letter in acts 15 verse 23 he all or if, i don't know if it's in verse 23 but it's in that section uh he begins with greetings to you when he writes to these people up here so this would be the first letter Acts 15 would be their second letter, if my dating is correct. If this one is, is 45 A.D., before Paul's ministry, before all the confusion of the, sin, uh, the, the circumcision issues and the dietary laws, that's 45 A.D., the book of James. In 48 A.D., three years later, there's confusion up in this area about because the Judaizers had come. Hey, all these Christians, the Gentiles, had been started joining the Jews, just were coming in and joining them. They weren't even getting circumcised or following the law. Paul was fine with that. Barnabas was fine with this. But the Pharisees that came up, interestingly, again, many Pharisees joined James's church. I mean, they became believers in Christ. Now, understand, you don't have to renounce your Phariseeism to say, well, Jesus is the Messiah, but I'm a Pharisee. Well, I've got to change everything. I, you know, it, he, they were still Pharisees. Look at Paul. Paul was a Pharisee. Now, he made adjustments, and I, I'm sure the Pharisees would make adjustments, but you can't expect an overnight change. Now you accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. Well, that's issue one. Now you've got 15 more issues you're going to have to address. What about, we're still there. I mean, as, as, as individuals, but as people in the Western world, we still, like, what about the Jewish law? What about the dietary law? It's like, I've got answers for that, but there's still people, they're still dealing with that. And so there are Pharisees here, but they left and they went up to this area here, followed up, maybe to preach, maybe to encourage, maybe to use their spiritual gifts. But they brought along the false idea that, well, all these Gentiles that are sitting among you, they can't be with us. They've got to follow the law. Well, then Paul and Barnabas, boom, they came down here, 
formed a council and says, what about this? And they made the decision, don't need it. Just make sure you, the Gentiles, just make sure you respect the Jewish culture as long as you're fellow, because you can't expect the, the Jews to become Gentiles either. And so it's just a kind of a, almost like a, a acceptance of each other's culture. Okay, now, page four. Um, chapter one, verse two. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. There's the words. I've got them in different underline or something from the Greek. The first word is all, pasan. You see, that's underlined. We're talking about the word all. Then there's your word joy, and it's karan, which is the same, same cognate as the word greeting. So he goes, greetings, all uh, joy. And so it's the same cognate, which is interesting. Esteem. There's your word esteem, and that's where you're going to get the word count, figure, reckon. And then he says, brothers, and I'm going to make a big deal about this just because I come against Western culture uh, and our liberal postmodern issues the word brothers can be used as james is jesus brother like physical sibling but brothers in the jewish world the greek world the roman world also meant members of a community especially a religious community it would be in that sense a non-gender term i don't want to go into non-gender what do you talk about this same brothers is, in this case, non-gender. It means people. You know, it's like mankind. Oh, what about womankind? Okay, mankind is a non-gender term to the human race. Get over it. That's language. And so man can refer to a male. Mankind, for example, mankind refer to all male and women, uh, uh, men and women. And same thing here. Yes, Adelphoi is a reference. I've got all kinds of detail. I can even go off on a whole paragraph, me just preaching about it, getting angry while I'm typing. <laughs> I thought I'd l- let you read it. <laughs> but again, your, your English translations, rightfully so, but unnecessarily translate, as you look in your Bibles, brothers and sisters. Because that's what it means. It means all people in Christ. But it doesn't say gender male gender females it says members of the christian community who believe in christ i mean that's that's the that's reference so it's right it's it's including not just the men it's including the men and women but to you know and and it depends on how you want to go about it when it says brothers it means men and women but no 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 it's including men and women it doesn't mean men and women even brothers doesn't mean men brothers means the congregation and so to translate it brothers and sisters okay you're, you're making sure the women feel included but you're mistranslating a gender neutral term into two genders so it's like which way is right or wrong it's it's it, both are right i guess depending on where you're at does that make sense what i'm saying because you could a, a common english reader would say oh he's talking just to the men well, no, he's talking to the community. So you better translate it men and women. But if you're doing a word-for-word translation, they're not talking ever. Would they just be talking to just the men of the community in a general letter like this? Okay, enough about that. A brothers of me, again, he considers them brothers. He used that throughout the letter. You know, he's one of them, not above them, maybe a leader, but not above them. When trials, there's your word trials, is going to come up. Several forms of that word, including testing, is going to come up. You might fall into, and again, if you notice right there, underneath it, uh, it's, it's active. It, 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 all those initials right there, second person, it's going to be active, meaning you're the one falling into it. it may, it's an accident, but you're, you're the one doing it. You're falling into this trial. Not blaming you, it's just, uh, and again, the word various, again, giving the idea of a wide variety. I've got a list of some of the things that are fairly specific in here that he'd be talking about. But those are your key words that we'll be looking at here. Um, oh, boy. Chapter 1, or point 1, there's this, this single section, chapter 1, verses 2 through 27, there's a single section. Uh, we already talked about this, who we were talking to, where they're at. General outline, I think we've already gone over that. Um, and that kind of reviews what we've talked about. The first thing they needed to come to grips with is poverty due to their faith and a poverty among the people of wealth. So they are in some kind of poverty, uh, losing their place, but there are still people 
Jewish people who are still prosperous. And that's going to lead, throughout the letter, it's going to lead to some hard feelings. Uh, God is good. The trials come from the world. They become tests. God is not causing the trials. God is not causing the sin. But he's definitely using the system. These trials and tests reveal, uh, provide an opportunity for growth. A uh, born-again person can now grow because of the new birth. If you're born again, you can grow. If you're not born again, you're going to get crushed by him. Even a born-again person, if they don't understand it, they're going to get crushed by him. I'm on page 5.5 there. These people have been separated by God and are growing into God's image. Uh, James addresses readers. Here's the whole thing about brothers right there. James addresses his readers as Adelphoi, which translates as brothers. Uh, it refers to males born of the same mother or father, but also used to refer to members of the same group, nation, religion, etc. Leviticus 25, verse 46, even there. Over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule. And over the brothers, that means the congregation. Deuteronomy 15, 13. Of a foreigner, you may exact it, some kind of a tax. And whatever, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. You will not tax your brothers in that sense. Uh, again, I've got other examples of that. And I, point E is where I kind of try to go off on it. Uh, interesting, I'll, I'll have to do this, and then I want to get to something else here. Point four, all, the word pasan, does not mean everything in this verse. It is not part of the direct object as it consider everything joy. It doesn't say consider everything joy. Uh, in the context, it's an adjective meaning pure or entire. So the idea there would be uh, consider it pure joy. So when you're facing these trials, this is now an opportunity for the trial is not joy. This is sad. But when you see this coming, this is an opportunity for pure joy. For you're going to grow into something pure. Not, not all trials are joy. It's not everything is joy. This right here, pure joy, I can identify it like this. Pure joy, entire joy. Joy is charon, which means joy, delight. comes from the same uh, uh, word as greetings before. Uh, James uses cognates several. Here's a list of cognates right there where words are used that have the same root side by side are very close together, and I won't go through that right now. This refers to a state of being. This joy is a state of being. It is not an emotion. You may be sad. You may be confused. You may be uh, you know, hopeless. But this is going to be a state of being. With this understanding, you are in a place now where you are operating from a place of pure joy, and now you can consider, mathematically figure, your situation, like, okay, this is good. I, I can handle this. Uh, and and it, it's not a hopeless condition. This, uh, this is a verb commanding thought. Oh, wait, I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. Not emotion, a person's state of being. This does not say in everything Christians should have an understanding of a settled contentment. It doesn't mean you should be content with the situation. The situation may be bad, poor. It may be changed. But in that situation... You're going to enter that situation in a state of being of pure joy. You're, you're, you're set. Uh, this, uh, this joy in the midst of trials or suffering is going to allow the Christian to produce the fruits of the Spirit. From here, you're going to now, in this pure joy, you're going to start to produce not emotions, but fruits like endurance or goodness. You're going to be able to do the things that James is, in a sense, he's going to chew them out because some of them are getting angry. Some of them are wanting to fight back physically. Some of them are, are, are getting angry with each other. It's like, no, 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 you're stressing out and, and you, you've lost focus. You're in a trial, so you're lashing out to the right or to the left or to each other. And it's like, wait, get into a state of being that you understand this trial, you've got to take another uh, direction than just lashing out in a worldly way. Basically, that's what it is. Instead of going about your trial in a worldly manner, Go to Christ. Now, this is where I get confused. You see, it's like worldly, because sometimes it's like they overlap. It's like, what, what, is, what is spiritual? Well, spiritual is not just going off and just, uh, you know, singing hymns or just zoning out. It's going to be engaging the right and the left and each other, but not in a physical, carnal, worldly way, but in a spiritual way, which, first of all, is going to include peace, righteousness, patience. 
is kind of the fruit of how you're doing it. And what this looks like for me right here, in my, what this looks like, it's like that's where I'm at in my life right now. I understand the concept. It's like uh, we're not just going to put on a happy face. This is good. Everything's good. No, it's not. It's, things got to change. The world's falling apart. So I, I'm, I'm discouraged. Okay, now I'm discouraged. I don't know what to do. So now I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight that. I'm going to fight you. It's like, no, that's not the answer. The answer is, what's that look like? And that, 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 that is, that's maturity. That's where, that's where it's, if you lack wisdom, ask. You, you don't know this because you, you're not there. You don't know what this kind of performance looks like because you're not there yet. So seek that. It's kind of identifying what it's not. And he talks about what it is, but he just puts right after that, says, you need wisdom. You're going to have to ask for wisdom and growth. And so that, that's kind of, and Tony and I have been talking about that, just as, you know, you look at the news, and it's just bad, bad, bad. You know, there's, for example, make an application. There was, you know, that hope of the midterm elections. Things were going to turn around, the red wave, and, and all this. And, 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 oh, you see the results. It's like, oh, no. Well, there's still hope, Yeah. But it's not what we thought. And also, and then you see, you listen to the commentators that we would agree with, and they just, all they're doing is telling you how bad it is. How bad it is. And look what they did now. And look what they're doing in California. And look what they're doing in the Congress. And it's like, oh, the judges are letting people out of jail. My gosh, this is a disaster. It's like, okay, let's, let's hear more. Okay, we got more bad news. The schools are corrupt. They're training your children into, it's like, Oh, okay, we agree, we're in such bad shape. It's like, well, uh, for a while, it's kind of like, wait, it's bad, it's bad, okay, we all agree, it's bad, let's make a change. Okay, then we make it, ch- and, and it gets worse. It's like, we, we, we've lost ground. We, we're, there's, no, there, there's no coming back. Potentially, there's no coming back. Well, it's, why even try? Well, because of this. It's like, you are still... No matter what happens, you're still growing. You're still developing patience. You're still developing righteousness. You can still choose to do good in this world. It's like, so stop. You're not going to fix this. Start looking at this. Now, again, we understand if everyone comes up here, we, we, we call it revival, okay? But even if no one else joins you, this is where you need to go. Now, I want to spend a few moments right here. We'll come back to this next week. Because this is kind of where we're at right now, and this is some notes. Uh, and I, I'm, I, this is bad teaching right now. Uh, this is not how if, and I never went to seminary or anything like. Where was learn, so I can do this because I have never been. Tra- I've never been trained on how to have a proper sermon. <laughs> but we talk about oppression. We talk about uh, tyrants. I can't even spell, so don't worry about that either. But. We're talking about the middle class being driven into poverty or being canceled. And that's what's happening in James, and that's what we're looking at right here. We call it the fourth generation. And this right here, I just got some verses here. Uh, I'm going to read through these. And the ideal is, we'll look in Mark and Luke right here. Jesus was addressing Jerusalem in 30 AD and he even said several times uh, that this generation 70 AD would see certain things take place and he's talking to them that as if they are in the fourth generation they're beginning and 40 years later they collapse they're overthrown they're gone they were scattered since history and so there he was talking and so what you see in a fourth generation uh, go to that first page right here, the second set of notes, the bottom of the page, that chart, from Pro- uh, Proverbs 30, and you know that's from the Hope for Mary's Last Generation book. Uh, the first generation leaves their tradition value, traditional values. Forty years later, they come up with their own philosophy. They're pure in their own eyes, but their new philosophy doesn't solve any problems. That's the secular humanist of the 1920s to 1960s. 19, the third generation, their eyes are ever haughty, they're proud, they're, they're boastful, uh, they think they've got all the answers, they implement all their programs, uh, that's 1961 to 2000, but then the fourth generation 
is a group that their teeth are swords whose jaws are set with knives to devour the poor from the earth, the needy from among mankind. In other words, those are the tyrants, those are the oppressors. Now, it's not, it's, it's not just a matter of devouring the poor and the needy. It's you take the middle class and you drive them into, it's, it's that separating. The elite get more and more, and to have more and support, they drive everybody else into servanthood, and so everyone else becomes the poor. That's what James is addressing, that group right there. They're addressing, and it makes sense because they're in 45 AD. You see, as a Jewish culture, they're in this phase right here. Jesus says this would be where all the prophets talk about, uh, and I've got some examples here, of people losing their inheritance, people losing their fields, widows losing their homes. Now, you understand, if you've got a field, if you've got an inheritance, if you've got a home, even if you're a widow, you're not, the, you're not destitute, you're not poor. You've got a home, you've got a field. But somehow, in that fourth generation, you lose your home, you lose your field, you lose your inheritance, and now you're poor. And that is because the elite have come in, if it was in 720s, or it'd be like 730 uh, in Israel, or if it's 605 in Judah, if it's during Amos, Hosea's time, if it's during Jeremiah's time, if it's during Jesus' time, look at this right here. Mark chapter 12. This, it's just hanging right in the middle of this verse. Mark chapter 12, verse 38 through 40. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like, and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses. Now, how do you devour? You somehow manipulate them or force them in legal battles. In other words, justice has been lost. Luke says the same thing. Micah 2, verse 2 through 3. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. This is talking to northern Israel before 722. They devise wicked plans on their beds. They're thinking, they're, 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 they're uh, planning, they're, they're contemplating, they're making strategies, market moves. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. It's the elite. They make strategies. We now have control of, of, of the pharmaceutical companies. Hmm. What could we do to gain wealth? Well, they form a strategy. We now have control of the f- produce food market. How can we change certain scientific principles? And this works into on the back page right here. Uh, being in the postmodern age right here, postmodern age, where absolute truth is gone and you create your own. We're set up for disaster. Science can be manipulated to match what you want. Health can be matched to what they want. Everything can be twisted, and if you have the power to twist it, if you got a government position, you have seen something happen in the Congress this last week where some people are saying no, 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 and they're pressured into where we're not even a democracy. There's something taken. Oh, you look like you're voting. No, you're not. Once you get there, there's already a power system waiting to absorb them and put them in their place. And you can go try to fight and drag your heels, but you can't drag your heels against this. Now, this is the world system, but God brought the Assyrians in to destroy Israel. He brought the Babylonians in to destroy Judah, and he brought the Romans in to destroy Jerusalem. We read in Tuesday night, he bringing Alexander down through uh, Syria and Lebanon. And it was the Lord every time. Jesus takes full credit for Rome. Je- uh, the Lord takes full credit for Nebuchadnezzar. He even calls the Assyrian the, the rod of my right hand. Uh, Cyrus, his anointed one. So the Lord is in the business of overthrowing countries. And once he decides you're going to get overthrown, you're going to see uncontrollable things unraveling and this goes through right here this is what they're doing and so god is going to bring this disaster i got all these verses right here uh they covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away they oppress a man and his house a man and his inheritance therefore thus says the lord behold against his family i'm devising disaster turn the page very quickly and here's where we are at on the second page the five cycles of discipline the fir- if you go th- back to the, the law, a plague comes on the first generation. Uh, a famine, because the plague, you've got the flu of the World War I. Famine, for example, there you've got the Dust Bowls, the Depression. 
third generation, 1960 to 2000, just crime out of control. The sword strikes the land, 9-11, right there, beginning in 2001, beginning the fourth generation, which ends in 2040. And now we go to the five cycles. You got them all listed right there on that second chart right there. So we would be in the midst of that, 2023. We're into the final 17 years. And what I put down here on this last chart, this is from a 2007 book, is we are now going to have to respond to the Lord early in the, two, for the fourth generation, 2007. We're going to have to respond as a culture with the institutions of individual responsibility, family, marriage, government, and nationalism. But if you ignore those things, ignore nationalism, your government stays corrupt, you have no family, you dissolve marriage, and you don't take individual responsibility, you've destroyed the five institutions God gave mankind. Not gave the church, gave humanity the five ins you've destroyed them there's nothing holding your society together you're going to go into these things and it depends on on how you respond uh i put on here for example how we respond to the lord is going to determine the next attack if it happens or not and i think right now that next attack you know you're you're thinking it's going to be some kind of foreign invasion nebuchadnezzar uh you know here comes uh titus and vespasian with the romans here comes Seneca River, somebody, Alexander, uh, there's going to be some terrorist attack. But what we've, I think we're at a point right now where we can see our society, if it be the border, uh, th- there, there's your invasion right there. You can see the government and the, and, the, and the confusion that's there, the manipulation. You can see science. You want to say follow the science. The science is nothing but marketing manipulation. And this is, it's like, what are we going to do? Well, if you're, if you're northern Israel... Nothing. You just better grow individually because you're going into dispersion. If you're 586, Jerusalem and Jeremiah's ministry, Jeremiah was even told, stop praying for these people. I am overthrowing them. It's just a matter of how far I have to go before they listen. So there's, there's no, Jesus, he didn't say, well, you know, if you'll change your mind, if you'll repent. He says, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. And that was a week before he was crucified, or three or four days before he was crucified. It's like, no, this is over. But they just got done celebrating you coming into Israel, or coming into the temple. They're Palm Sunday. It's like, yeah, but they had no idea what they're talking about. He says, you will not see this again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You do not know what you're talking about. You want me to overthrow the Romans. And he says, there's not going to be one stone left upon it. Well, what do we do? You get ready for it. I mean, it's like you're not going to, well, let's, let's glue them together. Let's put up a, some kind of a structure around them. It's like, no, they're coming down. And so when God decides, if this is, if this is the beginning of what we talked about in 2007, uh, the dissolving of our society, uh, there's, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's a, what do we do? You do what James is talking about. You consider it all joy. Your trials, you get ready to endure because you are not, you're an American, but you're something bigger than an American. You're a son of God, and you are being matured today. You're maturing, and you're going to be able to handle this. You're going to be able to grow through this. Now, that's my challenge. How? How? What? Well, get ready. We're, we're about to face endurance, and that endurance is going to teach you how to endure this. And that's going to lead you to perfection, which when Jesus Christ comes back, we'll see him face to face. We are heading here to the kingdom. Now, this is not an eschatological teaching. So, you know, the rapture is going to happen, or the Antichrist is going to sign the treaty. It's like, well, just keep that, that's, that's another That's another show going on right here on this different stage right up beside it. So maybe they overlap, maybe they don't. But we are right here, and I think that's why this book is so pertinent, because we are, it's not just a, a theoretical book. You're in a position where you're going to have to start applying this joy, this state of mind to trials and learn how to endure. I am going to have to do that. And so I think that's kind of why this is important. So keep that in mind. Interesting, I really find this interesting. I put this together several years ago. The different ages of, of philosophy. The last column here is the postmodern. And it's just that there's no absolutes. And in there, there's the idea that, you know, you won't even be able to have science. Because science, there's no, there's no, math is not absolute. Physics is not absolute. Nothing is absolute. It's all what you want it to be, which opens the door for these ridiculous things you hear coming down. And it's not like, well, that's strange. No, that's postmodernism. 
I mean, it's exactly where it's supposed to be. It's like, we don't want this. We want this. We can justify anything and look at you with a straight face and say, the borders are secure. It's like, no, they're not. It's like, why? Well, yes, they are. Let me say it a different way and louder. And it's like, and it's like why, is all this, why is all this happening? Well, if we are under the judgment of God, I mean, you're not going to stop it. You're only, again, I, I, I'm not being negative. I'm saying you're not going to stop it. Oh, well, worth, life's not worth living. That's all James saying. Consider it joy. This is your chance to endure and grow into something that's going to last forever because if you save your inheritance, you save your house, you save your, your business, you, sa- you don't get canceled, it's still passing away. It's still going to pass away. But if you grow through all this, consider your good position, you, your high position. You're, you're building stuff that's going to last forever. In fact, this is the best thing that could happen to you because you're going to get your eye focused on eternity instead of the stock market. Now, again, I'm not going to stop taking care of my finances and stop mowing my yard, but there is a day coming where, you know, and again, say, well, I disagree with that. That's not true. Okay, let me put it this way. You're all going to die. I mean, it's like I got my yard mowed. I've got my finances in order. My house looks good. It's clean. It's like, yeah, but you're going to die. And then you'll still need the same thing. You'll still need maturity and the kingdom of God. So if the culture is collapsing or not, uh, the book of James is still applicable. Okay, I'll pray, and I thank you for being here. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We do ask for wisdom. We do ask for your spirit to lead us and help us understand these things and make application. We humbly come to you knowing that we do not have the capacity to handle this this information or this, this, this revelation that you've got for our souls, but we do ask that your spirit would infuse in us the ability to process it and understand it and then apply it in Jesus' name. We do thank you for the chance to live at this time in history and look forward to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.